0: S. Co and use my code Divine Healing by D to sign up and find sponsors. That's podmetrics.co, Referral code Divine Healing by D. Good luck. Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by D. I have had an eventful recording with Hank Sarala. He is a great shaman and medium, and we talked about something that's kind of heavy, so I just want to warn you guys, this is a sensitive subject. It's If you are sensitive, um, be careful listening to this episode. We're going to talk about hexes, curses, and attachments. There's some little bit graphic stories that he's going to tell us, but they were fantastic and they will give you chills we're gonna talk about all that and you know his best energy production tips and what it really means to be a shaman because I don't think I've had anybody really get into it with me and there's so many different types so this is a great episode to listen if you're thinking about talking to a shaman um, wondering what they do wondering what they're all about um, and I hope you enjoy it. I really enjoyed recording with him, and I was also on his podcast. And I'll give his information towards the end and in the info box of this episode. So hope you enjoy it.
1: Yep, my name's Hank Sutela.
0: And you are a shaman, right?
1: Yeah, I go by the Sadaq shaman and I basically mix uh, Peruvian shamanism, specifically the Paco tradition, along with sound healing tools like tuning forks, crystal bowls, and pretty much anything that makes a noise.
0: Great, and what's like the very basic definition of a shaman for people who do not know that? All right,
1: for one, uh, just talking about the word first, the word shaman Mm -hmm. references one specific tribe in the Siberian region of Russia and anthropologists label all native traditions under shamanism. But across all the traditions, there is a belief, well, one, the shaman walks between the worlds. Uh, Two, we believe that everything is part of the same animated essence. Therefore you can communicate with everything. Uh, Everything has a consciousness to some degree and also working with nature.
0: Very cool. And when did you know that you were very intuitive and
1: you know, I've always been intuitive in an empath. I had a near-death experience at childbirth and I should have been a stillborn. The doctors are baffled because the placenta had totally disintegrated. I was so past the due date that um, they they didn't understand why I was alive. And every time my mom would have a contraction, her heart would stop and my heart would stop. And I've just always had this intuitive knack uh, for dealing with people, but I didn't know that that wasn't what everybody experienced. So it wasn't until... Like way later, probably two thousand and six, two thousand and eight, in that range, where I realized, wow, that's actually not normal, quote unquote normal, and I started going to get training to kind of put it in a container that it wouldn't drive me crazy.
0: Wow, that's a, how late were you? Uh,
1: about a month. It, it, it was. It was like sometime in February, and the only reason that they induced labor is that my grandmother. In, I was born in Pittsburgh. And my uh-huh. my grandmother in Cleveland, my dad's mom, had right. had a stroke, and they wanted to come to be with them. And they were afraid that if they because I was already late, right? They were afraid that yeah. if they just start driving to Cleveland, that of course my mom would go into labor in the car or something. So they they back then they weren't so quick to induce labor, and they insisted. And and if it had been any longer, I probably wouldn't be here. But it was because my grandmother's medical um, instance that that really allowed me to come in just in the nick of time.
0: Oh, my goodness. That is insane. That's pretty cool. I actually found a lot of like when I speak to other healers, I actually hear like a common theme that, you know, I had a very difficult birth or I almost died when I was born. It's not the first time I've heard this. And I find it very interesting. There's always some kind of dangerous circumstance that follows their birth. That's pretty cool
1: yeah well there's a lot that we could do a whole thing just on like more things that came out of that story but that's that's the where I got the intuitive that's, knack and then everything else kind of unfolded
0: is there any do you have it like also within your family is this genetic do you
1: think N- nope I'm kind of like the alien <laughs> in a way I'm not I don't have the physical build like mm. my parents I don't um And even though my my childbirth or my child upbringing had a lot of of, like I was never abused physically or anything, but my brother was very violent. He actually tried to kill me twice uh, just to kind of throw that out there. So I had like a really turbulent childhood, but I always had this peace and calm going through it. It never phased me, at least not at that point in time. Later on, I dealt with some of those energies, but I, I, I didn't get drawn up into that getting physical or getting violent or anything like that
0: interesting so i that you bring that up i think we that's a great segue into what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about attachments did you ever look into i'm sure you did this is a silly question but did you look into your past lives with your brother and maybe the reasons why some of those things happened with
1: him so it's interesting um So I did have a past life regression specifically to go after Mm -hmm. that, because we've always had this animosity. And I didn't know at that point that he had tried to kill me. I I, I take that back. I did know uh, because my my mom had shared something with me and I had something come up in uh, an EMDR uh, session uh, Mm -hmm. of trying to swallow pills because I've never been able to swallow pills. And Mm -hmm. and in that session, I had this vision of him trying to smother me in the crib and like choking me and, and stuff like that. So I confronted him about that. But Later on, when I was studying at Lilydale, one of my, uh, and Lilydale is the largest spiritualist community in the United States. Everybody there is Mm -hmm. is a medium, basically. Um, One of my uh, classmates was a past life regression hypnotherapist. And he said, well, let's go after this. And there was lifetime after lifetime that he had killed me. We finally got to the original wound for my perception is that I was a medical doctor back in the days that would deliver Mm -hmm. children at the home. And I lost a mother. And the father raised a child to hate me, and that was my brother. All that to say, though, that past lives only are relevant. To, that's just how I needed to frame what was going on in my mind. Like There is the only, only the ever-present moment of now, and past life information is relevant to how is that showing up in my reality this time that I'm not willing to look at. But the past life gives me the opportunity to look at something I wouldn't be as willing to.
0: I isn't that great wow that that gave me chills so that was your karma with him and you had multiple lifetimes where he was trying to hurt you kill you well,
1: in in the world of past life regression yes
0: in the past yeah. life right. but,
1: but i don't really give that story much weight because i'm not one i believe it's just cause and effect versus like karmic debt or anything like that is the way that i look at that
0: yeah that's that's interesting i never looked at it like that i always just i used it as a form of I would say like medicine just like a form of understanding like hey like things things that are happening in my life like they're out of my control like I can't really control that this right now happening because it's happened before so like my mindset is just a different way wow interesting yeah cool. and that's
1: fine point of view creates reality and people have you yeah. know however you work with the world it's there's no right or wrong to that that's just been my awareness and what I found is, is a I don't do a lot of mediumship straight on readings anymore mm-hmm. but what I find past lives come in handy is when you get the person that says my life's all good I don't have anything to work on and so when I when I get someone, <laughs> when I get yeah. someone like that then I bring up past lives like oh I see you as a, a messenger in Roman times and you had to get this message and it was you know, gonna save hundreds of lives if you got it there in time and you were such in a hurry not paying attention and you fell off your horse and got killed and never delivered the message and they're like oh and then it's like well and i see it now you're also always in a rush and you miss little things is that right and they're like yeah so then that gave them the opportunity to look at something that wasn't perfect about them
0: wow you kind of in a way it's like playing a bit dirty but like very smart <laughs> at the same time <laughs> you gotta be sneaky <laughs> You, uh, that, that's funny what's your sign
1: i am a leo ascendant pisces sun and a virgo moon
0: oh that's so cool my boyfriend is a leo pisces libra very cool interesting yeah that's, that's a good that's a good um balance yeah i'm a triple virgo oh
1: well, so you're probably very organized
0: <laughs> <laughs> well some people would say so other people would say no but interesting <laughs> Um, so with attachments, let's go back to that. Uh, do you feel like a majority of people that you work on have some sort of attachment? Like, how do you find, how do you see that? How do you find it?
1: Yeah. Attachments are tricky because they can be on all kinds of different levels. Like just the other day, um, I was doing my healing clinic. I work with a, a medical doctor. Actually, we have this healing clinic where it's like metaphysician meets physician and we work on people together and there was something just off in the energy field. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. So I got like a stick of palisantil and I'm I'm using the smoke going around their energy field. And I found this one place where the smoke just got all crazy and I knew something was there. So then I really tuned in. And it was like yeah. something from another dimension, almost like a slug or a leech or something that was just sucking his energy out. And we took care of that. And they had been having all these weird sensations just on one side of their body and it was completely gone. So att- attachments, no matter what the attachment is, whether it's an entity, a ancestral um, an ancestor that's hanging with you for whatever reason, just an energy or a cause spirit, we call them. All of that is only possible because somewhere there's an original wound that needs to be dealt with. They wouldn't be able to attach Mm -hmm. if there hadn't been this resonant energy within someone. So dealing with attachments is always twofold. One, I look to fixing the energy imbalance and then removing the entity because it's way easier to do because they have nothing to hang on to. If you try to do it the other way, it can get a lot more cumbersome to remove the entity. Or the attachment.
0: I got it. And you were saying that it takes. Maybe I heard this wrong, but it takes a very special—not special. That's the wrong word. Or a very powerful person to put like a hex on you that not anyone can put a hex on yeah. you. Is that we, true? We
1: were talking about that um, off 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 air at one point. So yes. so what it more is in the northern. Uh, I forget where you live. You're in.
0: I'm in New, New York. York.
1: Yeah, So like in Cleveland and New York, there's very few people that know how to throw a good curse. Like if you were down in the mm. Caribbean or something like that, there's a lot more people that are in, into those arts. So like just the, the chances of you running into somebody that you wrong, and then they're going to throw something at you. Because most of those traditions also teach you never go against somebody else's will. So it's just very unlikely that people would have that. Uh, but most of the time, if we have the idea, if we're playing the victim, And we need to play the victim Mm -hmm. and all these things aren't going right in our life instead of looking at what can i change what can i do if we choose to be a victim then we kind of create this this um this energy of victimization that then plagues us and it's almost like we cast a curse upon ourselves to continue the same pattern and one of the worst things you can say that influence or reinforces us is the question why because the universe only says here's why oh here's another experience of why here's another experience of why. And you start this like downward spiral. And that's usually our own self-inflicted curse.
0: Interesting. Okay. So there is a difference between obviously getting a curse, a hex, and then getting an evil eye. The evil eye is not as strong, right?
1: I'm not really familiar with the evil eye. That's not part of... Oh, okay. But if you really feel... If somebody has the, the, the notion that they have a curse, then I feel that even mm-hmm. whether they really have one or not, I go through the same process as I would if they did. And But it really becomes down to processing the person more than the magic because it only could anchor because of their point of view about being a victim or about something else in their life. I mean, it could have been from when they were three years old, bullied on the bus or something, that they were the victim victimized the first time. And it's about finding that original wound, fixing that healing that and then there's no power for that curse to stick or it becomes like teflon shit hicks but it doesn't stick right and and that's if you work on that first any other work that you do is going to be a lot more uh, a lot easier
0: got it so do you think there's that those like candles oils baths all those things do the do they help
1: they absolutely can it, it's a physical representation of intention mm-hmm. but if you're really in the place of victimization then you mm-hmm. really want to get someone else involved because if you, you've already put the power outside of yourself and now if you can reclaim that you can absolutely do everything yourself but if you're really in that victim mode then the go-to move would be let me go to someone that i trust and i, I would recommend a shaman because like a lot of times there's like yes. psychics that you go to see them and they're like, oh, you got a curse. It's going to be $300 to remove this curse. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, like go, go to someone that is going to do the work and in integrity and and really fix the problem and not just take money, remove an energy. And then you still have the same thing in you that's going to draw the same type of thing again.
0: Uh, so you're saying those psychics that say that don't really take out the root of the problem? Perhaps not
1: all of them, but I've seen... Like locally we have a couple that we have I work with them at a metaphysical store in my local area and mm-hmm. we have many people that come after that that get all worked out. I have this curse and they want a five hundred dollars to take it off. And I say, Well, come over to my site. I'm right next door to her, my center. And then I just do the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And for that type of work, I typically do it just for, for a love offering. I tell them what my hourly rate is. And then I say, But you're welcome when when there's a situation like that, I see I, people mm-hmm. need help. I typically say, Well, you pay what you can. Um uh, you can't give me nothing. You got to give me like a hug or something like that. Yeah. Because there has to, I, I feel it's important for the energy exchange, exchange. Uh, but I would never leave someone stranded. And that's not an invitation for everybody to email me. I've got a curse, right? It's a, you really, <laughs> yeah. uh it, it's a special circumstance where, where I do that.
0: Exactly. Because you know that like certain hexes or curses could affect them financially right and they're stuck somewhere and they probably really can't pay you
1: yeah it can be any number of things and that's where it's really Mm -hmm. and and a lot of times though there is no curse and it's more giving them something to give them peace of mind and then well what in you would align and agree with or resist and react to the idea of a curse because that's what's give either one of those will give hold to that energy because it's a duality and if you just go oh that's interesting that they said that and give it no energy at all it it will be powerless over you but if you agree with it or react to it either one of those kind of locks in and it starts to attach
0: ah okay interesting could you like give a a story of a specific situation maybe i feel like obviously without any names but like a specific situation that people could listen to and get familiar with
1: for like a curse removal or
0: a curse, a curse removal. Yeah, I feel like that's it's going to be interesting.
1: Okay, so I'll tell you a story of a real one that actually came like this one lady did a discovery call with me. She said she had a curse. And I'm like, Okay, And I was thinking mm-hmm. at first, well, this is going to be just like someone that really doesn't have anything going on. And she comes mm-hmm. with her boyfriend. And I go into my my office because I, I do this around the Mesa and I was taking down my massage table, and as I took, was taking it down, the handle broke, and it swung, and it almost took out a 24-inch bowl, and I felt this wave of energy go over me. I'm like, oh, there's actually something going on here. So when I went back out, I started asking questions I'm like, well, tell me, where do you think this came from? Well, my my boyfriend's uh, ex-girlfriend, I think I'm like, and where is she from? Oh, she's from Jamaica. I'm like, does she practice any kind of arts? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And then she did this weird thing. Last time we, sh- we was there, her best friend was over and she's right next to me and she's like playing with my hair. And like one of the things to throw a really good curse <gasps> is to have a personal fact. Yes. So I was like, okay, yeah, well, well I come in my office, and uh we went through this whole process and uh anyway it, it, there's a process where you have' them stand on the mesa. And you go around them with uh, these certain staffs that we have. We call it a akuti ceremony, which means to send back. And you do this mm-hmm. whole process. There's Palo Santo involved, spitting Florida water, uh, a couple things with the mesa, doing all of this, and uh, the energy just lifted. And she's like, "Oh, I, f- I feel that it's gone," and like she could tell the noticeable difference. And that, that's a really rare case. Like she actually had something thrown at her. But the but the thing is that she was buying into the jealousy. She was buying into like I don't know their story. But I feel that something may have happened where mm-hmm. from the other person's perspective, she stole the guy or something like that. And, and she she was giving value to that story. And that's what allowed the curse to happen, because if all that had happened and, she had, and yeah. she had no point of view of that, it would have been like, you know, hitting the Teflon. It doesn't stick.
0: Interesting. Have you ever been very scared while you're working on somebody?
1: Very scared.
0: Are you allowed to? Yeah, are you allowed to have fear doing this work, or do you work on like not having fear? No,
1: uh, well, there's there's two instances that were definitely unsettling. Uh, there, there was oh, I
0: okay. was at a
1: psychic fair and I was doing tuning oh. fork healings, and I already this one lady had signed up for a session, and I had this awareness that I'm gonna take go longer. I'm like, hey, I, I think I'm gonna go way over for what you need. Is that okay. Mm. And she says, yes. And I start working on her. And I felt this, um, this energy that she had this divine inspiration that she's squashed, that she never allowed to flower. And I mentioned that to her. And then in that moment, she's like, I think I'm going to pass out. And she passes out in my hands, has a a seizure in my hands, as I say that. So me and another person, we get her on the floor, and we're already calling. And uh, then she wakes up, she throws up. And then she says, "Wow, what a healing!" Now I find out up to that point she was terminal with stage four ovarian cancer, and after that healing, it was gone. <laughs> and I don't—I attribute that to her willing to t- to be rid of that, right? And I found out,
0: and oh I found goodness. out
1: also she had taken all these classes that she had learned that real healing like that uh, happens when you have a cathartic release and you vomit so i i was able to hold the space to allow that to happen it does that have to happen for everyone that was just her point of view of how a healing needed to occur and she just happened to find someone that could hold the space for it but i i have to admit i was a bit unsettled there i'm like oh my god what did i do and but it was it all worked out And the second time I literally had a client float up off my table after I blew a jaguar whistle to scare an entity out. And she was like speaking in all these weird, well, she was was only up for maybe 10 seconds or something, came back and then just started ranting in this like um, devil tongue. I don't want to call it devil tongue, just another language that, and, and and then I'm looking at that. I'm just like, that's interesting. What the heck do I do? And I was doing all kinds of things. And and then I tuned in. I'm like, well, Spirit, tell me, what do I say to bring this lady back and to move this entity along? And they just said, say, come, Holy Spirit, come. And so I just put my hands, uh, one on her navel, one on her thymus, and just started saying, come, Holy Spirit, come, come, Holy Spirit, come. And the entity left and she came back and she's like, what was that? I'm like, you tell me.
0: oh my goodness that is so cool well
1: it's cool to talk about it now but in the moment it was like
0: wow because sure. you know, i've seen
1: physical manifestations of things before but that was like when right. you see someone float up off your table and you're like uh what do i do is that that was a first for me for sure but it was kind of interesting
0: they yeah they don't really prepare you for that in shaman school do they <laughs> <I? laughs> it's not like you can go to shaman school oh by the way lesson number 418 when a client floats above your table, what do you
1: do? Yeah, they, there's no textbook on shamanism, unfortunately. But yeah, there's there's a lot of good oh reference gosh. books out there, but you learn by by doing. But the biggest thing in all that is to have an open mind and not have a point of view about how the healing shows up. Because if you can hold the space for however they need the healing to happen, then it happens.
0: Mm, so do you agree that like cancer, for example, is just a gathering or accumulation of trapped emotions? In
1: most cases, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. And there might have been a plan Mm. for the soul to exit in that way because cancer is typically slow. It gives time for a resolution. And if it's something like that, Unless, well, there, there may be very involved ways to shift that because people can rewrite their script, if you will, uh, through, through journey work and things like that. But typically, if it's something like that, no matter what energy work you do, you might give them time, but the, the cancer won't resolve. For all other cases, mm. it is cellular memory. It's like, what have you stored there? Like my aunt, she died of cancer and we did buy her like an extra mm-hmm. year and a half, but that was her exit strategy. So we weren't going to cure it. Uh, but my grandma would always say now don't get your liver in a quiver so where did she store where did she store all her things and that's where the cancer manifested so the question is like what energy is there and then starting to work with that theme of energy to get to the original wound and once you do that the energy from the the aura is taken care of there could still be physical attributes to take care of Um, not all cancer resolves instantly physically but a lot can and every situation is different Mm. so my teacher would always say when you have cancer you do the energy work but you also do the traditional medicine as well but everybody's everybody needs to choose on their own based on their belief because if you don't believe that the healing can happen energetically then no amount of healing is going to go and do it if you don't have the if you can't give yourself the benefit of the doubt to receive the healing
0: interesting so like the liver that's that's anger right that's holding a lot of anger. it
1: could hold anger it could hold resentment everybody could store things differently There are kind of like if you if you read louise hayes's book she gives examples but um everybody could store something differently in different places just because one person has liver cancer it's not always anger it could be resentment it could be worry Mm. it could be that anger is just um weak because of drinking or something like that and that's just where it stores or like my um or like my mm-hmm. grandma gave like a, a thing, don't get your liver in quiver. Did someone say something to you as a child? Right. That that mm-hmm. that then that's where you start to store things. And Patty Conklin, who's one of my medical intuitive teachers, and uh she would say that like once you store resentment, like all resentment accumulates in that one place. So like you have different themes throughout the body, and working with cellular memory is like a huge thing to uh, eliminate that. Interesting. Oh, I didn't know
0: that. Good to know. So you're saying that we can, obviously, with some journey work, we could buy more time well, with cancer, in a way?
1: Well, you can buy time a lot of different ways. Like my aunt, we, we did a ceremony mm-hmm. for her in a medicine while well. she sat in the middle. And I had I happened to be graduating from the two-year School of Healing and Prophecy out at Lillydale, uh for Fellowships of the Spirit. And we did the full ceremony mm-hmm. and then all her numbers that were spiking all went to normal for like a year and then it came back. So like we bought her time just from that. But what, what I was referring to more is like, say there is a soul choice that you're choosing to exit that way. And le- and like mm-hmm. if you, if you go through, like, I'm not talking plant medicine work that that could work too. But in, in this tradition uh, you would read the person through like a rattling ceremony and you take them to mm-hmm. the underworld to Wescar Inca and you uh, find all the, the, you basically go to the place where your contract is stored in the hall of records. If you want to think of it that way, or the Akashic records and you go, you go to your Mm -hmm. little contract and you renegotiate it. Like, you know, I don't want to go out with cancer. I want to, you know, live 10 more years or whatever. And so there's techniques where you can go and have access to that. If the person's really willing to, to do that.
0: That's cool. Have you helped people cross over? Is that a shaman's role to do? Uh, like ease the way to transition. Yeah, there's
1: something we call the death rites in uh, the Pakokuna tradition. And it's a process where you uncork the energy centers of the body. And this is really for someone actively mm-hmm. dying. You don't just like do this to someone when they have like six months left. right? But when they're actively dying, you uncork the energy centers. It's like a, a little... A ceremony mm-hmm. where you're using the rattle to do this and you literally pop the 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 spiritual part of the being out of the body and then you seal the body so it can't get back in and that allows the body's energy to deplete and allow a more uh, peaceful easy transition but from a sound perspective solfeggio tones is like a whole body healing
0: Yes love, yes love love. yeah love. and
1: I, I used to volunteer for hospice and they called me the death healer because I would go in and do a tuning fork session for someone and they would like pass away the next day because part of that is the being is already off like there's so much pain in the body they've been they're already gone and like mm-hmm. using the sophasia tones like brings them back so they can be here in totality and then make the choice to actually give up or not give up at make the choice to actually leave where the body was just making it because we're doing whatever when the whole being is there it can choose okay yep it's time to move on but if the spirit's checked out there's no one there to make the call you're just waiting for the body to give up on its own
0: wow okay so so should people listen to them a lot is it like is that a good tip Can you give us some good energy tips, energy protecting tips, Hank's tips?
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, well, there's two ways to look at it. Uh, Ideally... You, mm-hmm. If you're working in oneality, where you're recognizing everything mm-hmm. as source, there is nothing you need to protect from. Because in pure awareness, you can just make choices to avoid any undesired outcome. If you're if you're working mm-hmm. from duality, then absolutely you can protect yourself. And whether, whatever works for you, you can carry some crystals around with you. You can do energy processes every day. But what I would say is use it when you need it. I, I give the example. Uh, this is especially true for empaths. Empaths are taught to mm-hmm. shield everything. And there, and a yes. duality truth is what you resist persists. So if you're forcing, if you're putting mm-hmm. all this energy to stop something from coming in, at some point your walls are going to fail. You're going to have a breakdown, and and then you'll start the process all over again. So like when you're blindsided, just like if you were in a burning building, you take a blanket, you get it wet, you throw it over your body, you get out. You don't always wear that blanket. Right. You only use it when you need right. it. So have some tools to go to. But in general, you don't want to walk around with protection up all the time because where attention goes, where or energy flows, where your attention goes and what you resist persists. So if you're really resisting something showing up, you're actually giving it more energy to eventually get in and mess with you. Oh, OK.
0: OK. What are your favorite crystals to carry?
1: I don't carry any <laughs>
0: You don't care.
1: No, I have a, a talisman that I wear sometimes, like I'm wearing today. And and I have um one necklace for Papa Legba, which is one of my um spirit guides from my African tradition that I work with a lot. Uh but the, but, but I have plenty of crystals in my Mesa too. My favorites, I have this uh hand-sized Herkimer diamond, which is what I call my vision stone. because uh, all in my tradition that you would have um a vision stone that is like the anchor for you to do astral work and for doing things in other realms and stuff like that. Mm. Everything on a mesa is an anchor of energy or an antenna. So like if you find yourself in a situation where you're off center that day, your mesa is not, your mesa Mm -hmm. still gives you that antenna to access it. And then um, let's see what else Uh, in terms of clearing selenite is amazing. If people do want a protective stone, tourmaline is a great stone or any of Mm -hmm. the darker stones like a, black obsidian and that type of thing. But that's more protection. Ask yourself, what is the cause for these things coming into my world? Is it a lack of compassion? And then you might want to pick rose quartz.
0: It, mm-hmm. Or is it okay. me
1: not being willing to express my truth? And that, and then you would want to use like lapis lazuli or sodalite, something for the throat chakra.
0: Love them. Those are beautiful. You know what's funny? Uh, my naturopath was also really great intuitive. He's like, you should never ever ever carry rose quartz. Don't ever wear it. It's not a good crystal for you. And I was thinking why? Like he didn't ha- he didn't like explain it to me. So I tried um experimenting with different crystals under my pillow to sleep. I was like, okay, let's do rose quartz. Let's see if he's right. I could not sleep the whole night. I was tossing and turning. Anytime that I did sleep, I had the strangest nightmares. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll listen to him, but Another thing that I've been recently doing, which is so cool, I've been making black obsidian water and drinking it. And I feel like such just an amazing like rush go through me as I'm drinking it. And I feel lighter. Yeah. such a great stone.
1: Yeah. And people, you can make elux- uh, elixirs out of any crystals. The one thing to be mindful of, there are yeah. some that are toxic, like malachite.
0: Uh, And if you want
1: to do that you get something that will float in the water, you can put it in like the little cup on top of the water and you'll still get the energetic infusion Mm -hmm. without putting the stones in and getting the toxic effects.
0: Oh, good. That's good. Malachite's super expensive too. What is that good for? I
1: don't remember. I'm not really a crystal guy. I use them a lot. You're not a crystal
0: guy. I I, I just drink smoky quartz water. I I,
1: (laughs) I say that in the sense that I don't know what all their jobs are and I I use I have a ton of crystals mm. that I use and my teacher, Ken Harsh, uh, four crystals would say that, you know, any crystal can do anything because you're telling it its job and intention drives it. But what you're getting as a bonus, if you use wh- what we believe they're good for is the collective consciousness belief that this is good for something else or this is good for something in particular. But if all you got is an amethyst, you tell the amethyst, your job is to protect me today. Your job is to make me speak my truth today. You're telling it what its job is and it will it will do it for you
0: hmm good point uh last question is there any misconception about shamans that you want to address anything you want people to know about shamans that they don't know already or you don't think they know
1: you know i can't speak for all traditions and like most people are not familiar with my tradition at all but uh, we're not scary (laughs) i have
0: we're not, we're not scary. Not, we're not I like scary. like
1: I, I, can send you a picture afterwards. Like my main mesa, and I have it set up in my healing space. I had someone come in once, and they look at it, and we had to have a twenty minute conversation before they were even comfortable getting a healing because they saw it and they were so overwhelmed that like this is just nuts. This is so far out of the realm of, which is why I do it. I want them out of the realm of what they expect, right? But a, a lot of people mm. look at it, and it's just like really crazy. But my teacher says there's good work to do in the crazy.
0: I love that. That's really, that's a good thing to leave us with. Where can everybody find you, listen to your podcast, everything? Yeah, there's
1: two m- main websites you can find me at. My personal website is just my name. And then I'll give you the other one, which is probably easy to remember. It'll, it's Hank yes. H-A-N-K, S-E-T-A-L-A dot com, And then the other website, which is for my holistic center is emergenceofbeing.com. And on that one, I have everybody's content. We have like a group of contributors. We have all their channels. Uh, there's links to all the podcasts and you can see all the services and things that everyone offers.
0: Thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. I know it's kind of heavy, a little bit scary to some people, but I think you, you know, shared it in a really non-threatening easy way for everyone to understand and take in. So thank you, Hank. I appreciate it. You're very it. welcome.
1: And one thing to reframe fear for everyone, if you are afraid, ask yourself, yes. are you afraid or are you excited? Because as kids, our parents want to protect us. And every time we're excited to do something that they think is dangerous, they get all freaked out, right? So as kids, sometimes we learn mm-hmm. to misidentify excitement with fear. So are you afraid? Are you excited about this crazy phenomena experience that you might be about to have?
0: <laughs> I love it. That's great. Awesome. Thank you're you very so welcome. much. Thanks
1: for having me on.
0: So if you know me, I love to discover new wellness activities. And I found the perfect one that would make a great girls night out, guys night out, uh, great for date night, gift. We have Mother's Day coming up. We have Father's Day coming up. Like this is the best gift to get. So it's basically you're going to be floating in a tank with beautiful stars on top. And the tank is filled with 1,000 pounds of Epsom salt. It has so many health benefits. It's great for stress, depression, anxiety. It's great for blood circulation and just great pain management. It's really fun to do. It's so relaxing. You'll take the best nap of your life. And they've been so kind to give a discount for... My listeners, so if you mention Divina or the podcast Divine Healing by D, you'll get your first session for $59. That's about 30% off. It's not going to be the first, only time you're going to go. You're going to just love to go after one time. So just go to Lyft Huntington and mention my name to get your first session for $59 and let me know how it is and how much you love it. I'm sure you will.